Welcome to Yolitics, the home of cold beer and hot takes on Texas politics. All right. Uh, welcome back, everybody. Another week of Yolitics. Uh, thank you to everybody, by the way, who has uh, been listening all along. How many episodes are we up to now, Whiteley? 162, I believe. 163. How do you just know that right off the top of your head? I count every one, man, in my head. You, you don't know this? Oh, no, I don't. I was I would have guessed like in somewhere in the 150s, but you know, I think close it's close enough. Yeah, 160 something. Um, so so thanks to everybody who joined us from the very beginning. And thank you if you just subscribed to us last week, uh, because, Jason, I don't think we've talked about this, or at least I haven't. Uh, the fact that we hit a milestone uh, this month. Yeah, it was a huge milestone. And yeah, I, I agree. Uh, you know, uh, cheers to everyone who, who's done this. But we just hit, uh, Yolitics just hit, thanks to you, a more, than, more than a million downloads. So uh, I don't want to say a million downloads because we, we've already surpassed that because so many yeah, people because are listening we're just, to these conversations. Now it's just exponential. I mean, we'll be at two million now in a month. Uh, but Maybe uh, three weeks. Yeah, thank you, seriously, to, for making this thing keep on going, this little podcast that could. Uh, I think that we thought, you know, this thing was going to last, you know, six months or whatever. And it just keeps stringing along and building and building and growing. And uh, it's all because of you. So thank you for uh, listening. If you haven't subscribed already, please do so that you get these uh, every week when they come out. And uh, Jason, you said cheers to everybody who's listening. So we ought to crack open a beer. What are you drinking today? Yeah, yeah well, you know, thanks to our bosses for the beer budget they've set aside. You know, they, they, they've foregone hiring people so they can Wait, pay for I've our beer. I've been paying for my own beers for some time now during the pandemic. Oh, really? Yeah. Have oh. you been getting a budget for that? Yeah, well, never mind. Then. Let's cut that That's out. That's why you let's, thought the budget was generous. It was supposed to be split two ways. And yeah, let's, let's cut that out. Maybe <laughs> I'm supposed to, to share some of that with you. I'm having today uh, an old favorite of mine. It's uh, El Grito Lager. It's from oh, yeah. Four Corners in Dallas. Uh, do you know what Grito means? Um, You're Mr. The, Spanish. Yeah, it's the... the, the um, say it, man. Say it. I'm not going to say it because it's not... Is it a bad word? I don't word? do it well. Isn't it like a... It's like a proclamation but kind of said a certain way oh i don't know i just had to google it and the google machine's correct it says it's the scream yeah is that that's right what i meant by proclamation but i guess i could have said that a better way proclaim um, it or scream it i mean come on wheeler that's that's your high and mighty ivory tower there man so yeah let, let me open up it? a can common man's beer huh can you do the the grito the grito yeah that's the scream grito. can you do it no I'm, it's I, a particular one though oh see anyway, i don't know this look it up google it uh, learn how to do that. Um, I <laughs> well, let's am hear it. Also, if, if you know the scream, what is it? What What is it? I, I'm just not good at it. I don't, I don't want to appropriate anything. Um, you're going to get me in trouble. Uh, so I'm also having four corners, it turns out. Uh, and since the, you know, we had this, um, it, it was a cold front uh, a week ago. Uh, huh. One of the meteorologists we work with calls it a not so hot front. And I right. think that's way more accurate. But it has felt better. But now the heat is returning uh, in a big way again as we head into July. And so I figured, Jason, what better time than to have a, a, a mango fresca? God, Look at that big old mango right on the, uh, I mean, it just, it pulled me in with that chopped up mango right there on the can, the, the, the picture of it. What's with you and fruit beers, man? Does your wife uh, drink like real beers part, and you're the one that drinks fruit beers in the house? This is part of making sure that you get your full servings. Of, uh, <laughs> that's how you stay healthy is, is the fruit beers you drink listen to me this says right here on the can and the can doesn't lie it says ale brewed with mango 
And There's got to be some kind of goodness that comes from that. <laughs> our, our listener can't see this, but you you just had to hold the uh, the can about four feet away from you to physically read it. That's why you're away from the mic there. <laughs> it's tiny print. Jason just had a big here. birthday, everybody. So, uh, you know, we should raise a glass to him too. a, a milestone birthday. Um, so happy yeah, birthday. Speaking to of you, milestones here uh, today, this is a big milestone uh, podcast. Is it? Um, you know, uh, we 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 took on an issue that has been it seems like it's been building here in in recent weeks um i I don't know how much people paid attention to you know i don't know how much people pay attention to state primaries or or not state primaries state conventions you know when the republicans gather or the democrats in texas gather do people you know really keep up with the day-to-day on that but probably this time even if you don't watch that stuff closely you you know picked up on some headlines out of the gop uh, meeting in particular uh, out of Houston. Uh, and here's the interesting thing, Jason. These, th- these conventions at the state level give the party the ability to, to make some news, to get some press, to get some momentum going, to you know, get the troops all you know, in, in line and, and, and march toward the election in November. Interesting thing, though, coming out of the GOP one uh, this time is there were some headlines uh, that, you know, I, I think stunned some people. And already we are seeing Democrats grab some of those things that occurred in the Republican state convention and use it to run on to energize voters on the Democratic side to turn out. Uh, Rochelle Garza, who is the Democratic nominee for attorney general uh, here in Texas, uh, tweeted out a couple days ago, uh, we must kick Ken Paxton out of office this November, she writes. Uh, and and Ken Paxton, of course, is the Republican incumbent uh, attorney general. She says, when I'm attorney general, Texans will have a civil rights divi- division protecting all of our rights. And then she links to another tweet in there uh, where Ken Paxton is going on record uh, talking about, uh, you know, potentially defending the old Texas sodomy law. Uh, and all of this uh, comes out of the Supreme Court decision for Roe versus Wade, in which uh, Justice Clarence Thomas said, you know, maybe we should re-review that law uh, because, you know, the Texas law was blocked many years ago by the Supreme Court. Now, Justice Thomas is uh, bringing up the, the notion that maybe it's time to go back and take another look at that. Yeah, there were a lot of headlines out of this, and you, you probably saw some of these uh, online. Can you hear this drilling above me, by the way? I can't hear that. I'm glad you can. I mean, it's... The guys are going to town up there trying. Maybe to, it's just in your head. That. Well, let's, let's get back to the headlines on that. It probably is in my head. Uh, but mm-hmm. the, the the Republican Party of Texas uh, passed a number of things in its platform. So political parties, uh, you know, they have their state conventions. The most diehard always go to the state conventions, and one of the main things they do is create a platform. The platforms just essentially say, "This is what we believe in." Uh, they're of course non-binding, but it's kind of a eh, probably a recruitment tool too. To, to get voters in. Well, the Republicans in Texas added a number of things that made these headlines that were attention grabbers, as you said. They uh, said that President Biden is not the acting president uh, because he did not win legally in Texas or, or in the country. Uh, they also voted So they're to still relitigating the, the 2020 still. election, which again, uh, the courts and the states have all said was not stolen. It was on the up and up. Everything was fine. But as part of the official platform here, 
they're saying no. Uh, Republicans here in Texas are saying no. Uh, it was not fair. It was stolen. And Joe Biden's not legitimate. And it shows just how much of a grip that former President Donald Trump still has on the GOP in Texas. Of course, Texas is the largest, largest Republican state in the country. But other things came out of there besides sodomy, because besides the uh, 2020 election, too. Uh, the Texas Republicans uh, voted on secession. They would like to secede. We've heard that before in the past. They also voted on uh, wanting to repeal the Voting Rights Act of 1965. They also called gay people abnormal and rejected trans identities, too. So we, we decided to reach out to um, uh, someone that we haven't talked to before and someone that, that's, you know, th- this is a rare discussion, as he puts it, because there aren't many of him around. Uh, this is Marco Roberts, and Marco is on the line with us. He is from Houston. He used to be the statewide chairman for the Law Cabin Republicans. For people who don't know, the Law Cabin Republicans is the organization that the gay and lesbian Republicans were part of. Uh, they've never really been that accepted, I don't think, in the Republican Party of Texas or probably in the Republican Party in general. But these are conservatives, and there's a lot they do agree on. So that's why we want to get Marco on the line here and 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 talk about some of the headlines that came out of what happened in Houston. So, so Marco, first question for you here, too. What's it like today and, and the party of Donald Trump to be an openly gay conservative? You know, that's an interesting question because there um, I think there's a couple of there's a dichotomy that's occurring, really, with Donald Trump uh, on the one hand. He's certainly in Texas, probably other parts of the country. There's certain elements of the party that are getting more conservative, possibly even more hostile towards gay people. But it's not across the board. And Donald Trump is actually the opposite of that. Um, Donald Trump has gone the other way. Certainly, he was the first president to wave a pride flag, you know, when he was uh, nominated. Um, he uh, has definitely reached out to the law County Republicans and embraced them wholeheartedly without any reservation. Uh, so you really have two different, almost dissonant currents that are going on at the same time, going in different directions. So it's, uh, it's an interesting time. I would say it's a very interesting time to be, you know, an openly gay Republican on the party today. Uh, I, I wouldn't say there's just one thing happening. There's multiple currents in, in play right now. I'm always curious when someone says it's an interesting time to put it into a little bit of perspective. Marco, how long have you been a Republican? Uh, I have been voting Republican. I, I, I changed when I was in college. I started off as a radical liberal uh, socialist even uh, when I was in college. And then it was in college when uh, I sort of opened my eyes and decided that, uh, you know what, this is encountering the woke progressives. I was uh, the leader of the Gay Student Services Organization at A&M. We had a court case with, with, uh, with A&M on a First Amendment basis. But while I was doing that, I encountered really my was my first encounter with I guess the, the pre-woke, the, you know, before they became the woke and started noticing that a lot of the thoughts that I, ideas and thoughts that I thought worked actually didn't work and were, were very intolerant and totalitarian in actual practice. Um, and uh, that's when I decided that, you know, I don't think I support this idea after all. So I became a Republican and started voting Republican since I was in college. Uh, it sounds like a, a quite a journey, politically speaking, and I don't want to date you here, but how many years ago was that? Well, that would have been when, uh, so uh, Ronald Reagan, 1984, is when I decided that I'm voting Republican. Okay, so you've been a Republican for a very long time here. Very long time. Um, uh, is it, uh, so going to Jason's question with a little bit of a follow-up there, is it harder to be an openly gay Republican now 
than it was in 84, 94, 2004, 2014? No, I, I would say it's much easier today. Uh, I'd say it's easier today, mostly because of the society as a whole. You know, when I was in college in those days, uh, it was not common for people to be out. That was not common at all. And within the Republican Party, I don't think I knew of anyone who was openly gay in the Republican Party at the time, right? Uh, if there were, they were probably in the Democratic Party. That's changed today. Uh, certainly, there are a lot of openly gay Republicans in the Republican Party uh, across the country. In the part in the Republican Party of Texas, there are openly gay people that everyone. How many knows would you say are in Texas? Well, you know, I don't know. I can give you a number, uh, but I would say that there are prominent activists, gay Republicans at the state convention, uh, that everyone knows who they are, myself included, probably. Uh, I would count myself among those um, that go about their business, and uh, and people understand that we have a different point of view that, than some of them. But we also get a lot of backup, and uh, sometimes a lot of folks are willing to work with us when we have an agreement on a particular issue, and it doesn't seem to stop people just on that basis alone. I, I mean, I would say that while it may be true that a large number of folks think that homosexuality is a problem or a sin from their point of view, uh, only a subset of those would actually go to the point of actually being hostile. I think there's a difference between people who just have a, a moral disagreement on what the question is about, uh, but still look at it as a religious issue from their perspective versus others who probably take a more emotional, you know, viewpoint on it, which is stronger and maybe, a more, you know, might even express itself in a hostile way. And I'd say that's a minority. Marco, the reason we wanted to call you on the podcast is because uh, you used to be the statewide chairman for the Log Cabin Republicans. For people who may not know, uh, LCR is the um, uh, the organization inside the GOP that's uh, LGBTQ. And you resigned that in May, you resigned from that position, and you started a, a new organization that's open to gay and lesbian Republicans and anybody else. And the new organization is the Texas Conservative Liberty Forum. But I, I want to ask you about um, LCR, the Log Cabin Republicans, the organization you led statewide. It doesn't exist anymore, from my understanding. There are local chapters in, in the larger cities across the state, but as a statewide, it doesn't exist anymore. And one thing that I followed for years, just covering Texas politics off and on for 22 years, is that law cabin Republicans have been trying and trying and trying forever to get a booth at the statewide Republican convention. Why is a booth that big of a deal? And, and why has the party turned down their own conservatives? You know... It's a it's actually another complicated question, but there are some basic uh, items I think that are true about this. It is symbolic, and I think it's symbolic for both sides. So there's a reason why people are fighting over this, and I think both sides see it as something that you know has a symbolic effect for the whole party as a whole. And so I can I can understand that. Um, from the law cabin side, I can tell you that the perspective was and still is that. Um, it is very hard for a gay Republican to talk to other gay people that might have similar conservative views on issues of defense, uh, what's going on in schools, taxes and all those things and say, you know, you really need to join the Republican Party because that's where your, our interests lie. And then they say, well, how, why would I do that when they won't even allow you to have a booth at your state convention? That sounds hostile to me. Um, I don't feel comfortable with that. And so for a lot of folks, that issue alone will be a problem. And it is hard to explain to people, well, you need to, to, to disregard that. And they're just focused on the other issues. Uh, most of our members, or, or I would say LCR Texas, I'm still a member of LCR uh, Houston. Um, I would say most of the members do 
think that they look at the bigger picture and say, you know what, uh, we may not agree on this particular area and it's an issue of contention, but uh, we still think that overall our life isn't just about being gay. It's about many, many things. You know, we have to pay taxes. You know, we want a strong country that we can be free in. We want these things. We want to be safe in our homes and we want borders. So those things are probably going to override this one little question on the booth. But I do think that from our perspective, it doesn't help the party to take a stance when particularly, you know, LCR Texas did make the argument, and I think legitimately so, that it was, uh, it qualified under the rules of the party to have a booth. Well, let me ask you this then. The, the big news that came out recently from the Republican Party of Texas's convention what was the platform. The platform is always a big deal. And of course, the, the platform is non-binding. It just says, this is what we as a party believe. But a, as you know, um, there are a number of things in there. Secession came out in there. Uh, the uh, conservative delegates also uh, voted to say that, that President Biden wasn't uh, duly elected. And then the platform also uh, calls gay people abnormal and rejects the trans identities. You and I were communicating back and forth before we recorded, uh, you know, got on the line to record this podcast. And and you were saying, you know, it's much tighter and it's all nuanced. And the whole situation is much more gray than than people realize here because it it was a close vote on this. Uh, This was different. Um, This didn't happen the way that platform reform change happened in 2018 with a full several days of debate. In this case, this is an item that was introduced by the platform chairman, which is unusual in itself, at the very last day of deliberations from the platform committee at the very end. You're talking about the, um, the abnormal and rejecting trans identity language, right? Uh, yes. Well, the abnormal language in particular. Uh, okay. And so that is a phrase that was added. And so it caught a lot of people off guard. Uh, there wasn't enough time for anyone to respond to what was happening here. And, and, the, and it passed by a vote of 17 to 14. And one of the things that, um, while it may be true that a lot of people have objections to homosexuality, in the, say, in a religious perspective, um, it's also true that a lot of folks didn't understand what was in the platform before. Uh, many of them interpret this as a, uh, as a, in other words, voting against it, they felt that was you were watering down the language. They thought it was already there and that someone was proposing to change mm-hmm. something, remove something that was there before. They didn't comprehend that, no, we're adding something back in that had been, had been removed before. Uh, it's a nuance, but it is an item that people might have considered differently. A lot of folks uh, were probably reacting. This came out in the shadow of Drag Your Kids to Pride event. People were upset by that. And, um, and I will say that from a lot of Republicans' perspective, even gay Republicans, this did not help to have the Pride event or the Pride week happen. I mean, even at the state convention, as we were attending the state convention here in Houston, uh, the banner of the Republican Party and electronic lights was interspersed with June Pride. Uh, so that's looking at this in in, in sort of an isolated way. Uh, now I want to talk about the drip, drip, drip here, uh, Marco, because the news moves fast these days. We had that going on at the convention. And then, of course, the uh, big uh, landmark abortion ruling uh, in the U.S. Supreme Court. Uh, and, 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 you know, when that came down, Roe versus Wade was overturned. And in part of that opinion, Justice Clarence Thomas said that, you know, hey, it's time to go back and review some of these other cases that we have decided on in the past as well. One of those including gay marriage uh, and one of those including a, uh, a case against a Texas law against sodomy. Um, and, and, and so he was openly saying, hey, you know, it's, it's time for us to review these. 
I've heard some people dismiss that as, ah, that's just one justice. Uh, you know, we're not worried about, you know, these, these things being in jeopardy. But then uh, the, the Houston Chronicle just came out with this uh, story about uh, Attorney General Ken Paxton here uh, in Texas, the Republican Attorney General, asking him, hey, what if the state does take up this Texas law again, uh, talking about uh, sodomy? What if, what if they're able to overturn that? Would you defend the state's law all the way up to the Supreme Court again? Uh, and uh, according to the Chronicle, he said, yeah, if it's constitutional, we'll defend it. What are your thoughts on on the trend line there when you look at those things, not in isolation, but one right after the other? Is that right. is that concerning to you? Well, I mean, of course, it's, you know, it's always concerning. I, I do think it's worth noting that the other justices did not were explicit in saying that this did not apply to these other decisions. And, and they went out of their way to say so. And I think that's important to note that I think uh so Thomas is on his own on this one. Um, these different decisions about marriage, about the, 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 the Texas sodomy statute, all these other statutes, uh, they're all going to have different issues at play, right? And I think what you're going to find is, of course, that among gay Republicans, you'll have different opinions on each one of these. Um, one of the things about being conservative, though, is that, you know, you argue the case in terms of, so that what the Supreme Court does is all about what is constitutionally true in the law, right? It's not about what, the, what you like or what you don't like is, mm -hmm. does the Constitution actually say something like this? Uh, and and the, the, the same-sex marriage issue, there are some gay Republicans who will say that they did not agree with the marriage decision because they felt that whether they, even though they supported the idea of same-sex marriage, they didn't believe it was in the Constitution, that this was something that needed to be passed at the state level. Um, you'll have that. Uh, uh, argument. There are others that disagree on that. But so you're going to have a kind of many folks who are not going to be all that concerned about it. There is some concern, I think, though, uh, from more from the Ken Paxton side. I think that's a bigger issue because regardless of what the Supreme Court is doing, he certainly could be doing things here locally that might for a while until it gets to the Supreme Court could cause people problems. I, you know, that's this is a kind of a new item. I, I will say that there are a lot of Republicans that are conservative, Christian conservative. Where, uh, and I mean, I'm talking about straight people who may oppose same-sex marriage, may have a very conservative values in, 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 in religious terms, but also agree that the state shouldn't be involved in people's personal lives. There's a lot In their of bedrooms, in fact. Certainly. And uh, I would say that, for example, the Texas Liberty Forum, the, the Texas Conservative Liberty Forum, is, is one of those organizations that binds conservatives together on the idea that regardless of your religious views, regardless of who you are, we all agree that there are certain First Amendment principles that we, we want to preserve, including the freedom of association uh, uh, protection that's in, in the, in the uh, Constitution, uh, as well as the other uh, uh, amendments that are in the Constitution that protect all, all American citizens equally. There are some folks, unfortunately, who do seem to think that, you know, your religious views impact on whether you have certain rights or not. And we saw that. Um, uh, when some of the delegates did actually make a comment to that effect that basically, well, you know, uh, we do apply different standards to different people depending on who they are. I think most people, when they hear that, they disagree with that. They say, no, it's not, that is not correct. Mm -hmm. um, so there's a minority of people that think that way, but I do think that there's a broad consensus of a lot of conservatives, Republicans or otherwise, that will subscribe. If they hear that, they'll say, look, if you're telling me that you will defend my religious right to oppose same-sex marriage, then I would defend your your religious right really to to do what you want in, your, in the privacy of your own home. And there are a lot of folks who feel that way. 
And that's uh, quick quick follow up there though. Is there something uh, that would for you become an existential threat that would make you consider leaving the party if 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 we got, you know, if that trend line continued, what would it be that would make you go, "Okay, that's too far?" Well, that's hard to say. Um, you know, because the reason the reason why it's kind of hard to say is that um, you know, Leaving the party, I don't even know what that would mean exactly. Like, you're not voting Republican, or what exactly does that mean? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, obviously, we, we're now, the, the Liberty Forum is more of a, a nonpartisan organization, it's conservative. So, you know, mm-hmm. we don't care if you're Republican or not. Obviously, Republicans are closer to what we're saying than anyone else. Um, I, I just think that we should all be willing to criticize any party, the one we vote for or others, when they're doing things that we don't agree with. And we should say so. And that, I don't think it's an issue of disloyalty any more than it's an issue of disloyalty to the country to sometimes criticize our country when we don't think it's doing the right thing. That's the the fundamental aspect of our country is to be willing to do that. I think that that's why the First Amendment is so valuable, because it allows for dissension and allows for folks to raise their hand and say, I think we're going in the wrong direction. And so, you know, if we believe in that, if we believe in this idea of debate, then we need to practice it. You know, we need to practice what we preach. And so if we preach First Amendment principles, which I like to think I do then part of that means is you need to be willing to uh, accept criticism and listen to what other people have to say when it's not what you think. I want to ask about the Texas Conservative Liberty Forum and a little bit more in just a moment here, Marco, but but kind of getting down into more of what Jason was asking too. When you're at, at, at uh, the state convention or Republican gatherings, obviously the, the religious right plays a huge role in today's GOP, the evangelicals, and they have for, you know, 40 plus years. Is, is there ever a situation where, where it's uncomfortable or you're disregarded or disrespected at all um, because you're a gay leader? I, you know, and I will tell you, I think most gay Republicans will tell you this, that they get better treatment in Republican circles hmm. than they do in many gay circles. Uh, I will tell you that uh, when I've attended events that are mostly gay people, and most of them are very you know, far left-leaning, uh, we will be called names. Um, this does not happen to me at a, a formal Republican event. Uh, I know who does not agree with me. That's clear. And, and uh, you know, there are Republicans who will say to me, uh, some of them will say, you know, I just don't agree with you at all. I suppose there's been a couple of times when rarely someone say, you know, would say in conversation, almost in a kind of friendly way, well, you know, I think you're going to hell. Uh, but, uh, but it wasn't in a, it was sort of a strange kind of, as if they're trying to help me kind of attitude. It wasn't attacking. It was a little old lady saying this to me. So I didn't see it as a threatening thing. Uh, so, uh, but for the most part, I will tell you that my experience has been for the last few, since I've been involved with the Republican Party of Texas actively since 2014, that my experience has been that debate aside, intense debate aside, people have treated me well and cordially. And, and, and you have to consider, think of the fact that there were enough people in the Republican Party willing to allow an openly gay man to serve on the platform committee of the Republican Party of Texas in 2018 and to make the changes we did. So... That doesn't happen when there's, you know, this massive uh, folks against you all wanting you to to fail. There's got to be some people on your side. Otherwise, that wouldn't happen. Marco, of course, we have some uh, hotly contested races coming up here in the midterms in 2022 in November this year. Um, and, and I'm just curious, you know, because, you know, you know, whether it, you know, captured what really happened at the convention or not, as you say, the headlines that came out of there were 
you know, Biden is not the, the real president. The 2020 election was stolen. Uh, we consider, you know, the gay lifestyle to be abnormal. We're, you know, we're opposed to the trans identity. Um, those headlines were coming out. Then we had the pile on, uh, you know, from the attorney general talking about sodomy laws. Um, is, is Do you worry that, we, you know, we've, we've heard rumblings, you know, that, you know, the party should be focused on things like the economy and inflation because they're, they're being given that on a silver platter, essentially, to run with. Are you are you worried that some of that might cloud the Republican message going into the midterms? I, you know what? And I'm going to tell you, this is actually very much what our our Liberty Forum is about, uh, actually. And one of the things that we've been talking to folks is I do think that it was a mistake for the Republican Party of Texas or uh, the Republican Party as a whole to avoid the cultural issues to begin with. Um, I don't think the answer is to avoid them because you end up with where we are today, uh, a big disconnect in the country. I think a lot of folks are, in fact, we're in a backlash mode right now. A lot of folks feel like their children are at risk. Whether you agree with that or not, that is a feeling and it's, it's intensified. So not dealing with the social culture issues, the questions that have been presented by the left and just ignoring them isn't an answer because what we are now, and I think no one would disagree with this, we are in a more divided place today between the opposite sides than we were, say, 10, 15 years ago. So not engaging wasn't the answer. I think the answer needed to be, how do we address this? And so from my, my personal perspective and the one that I you know, uh, share with our Liberty Forum is, uh, instead of simply reacting to new questions that come about regarding gender identity or sexual orientation or religious liberty, instead of simply reacting to what the left has to say, we ought to be thinking as conservatives, what does a conservative, a lazy, fair, uh, uh, individual who believes in the founding principles of our country, how do we address this question in a fair way without reacting, you know, in an emotional way to what's being presented in front of us, right? So whether it's same-sex marriage or, you know, how we segregate bathrooms, all these things, there is probably going to be an answer that a lot of Americans are going to sign up for that's somewhere more in between or more reasonable, but that's not what they're being offered. What they're being offered is either a very far-right wing option or a far left wing option with no one in the arguing for something a little more reasonable in between. Marco, I, I believe just from from talking to you and from uh, looking up as well, too, there's probably four to five thousand uh, gay Republicans, gay or lesbian Republicans in Texas. Um, I'm curious why you think so many gays and lesbians go towards the Democratic Party instead of siding with you on many of these issues we're talking about. I think it's not unusual. I mean, we see this in all minority groups, you know, that's a kind of, uh, there's certainly always an element of truth to, to the complaints. I mean, you can't just dismiss people's complaints and say there's nothing there. Obviously there's something there. And certainly there are people on the right who are aggressive, uh, who are hostile uh, to gay people. That is gonna put off a lot of folks. Um, but, um, you know, just like we have folks on the, I would say on the far left who are hostile to Christians, but I don't think that's the majority of the Democratic Party, and yet they are there, right? And this upsets a lot of Christian conservatives who will not vote Democrat for that reason. Uh, so I think a lot of the reaction that you see from folks is visceral to some of these issues, and I understand it. You gotta be sympathetic about it. It's one of the reasons why I think the Republican Party needs to, needs to reassess what it's doing. Certainly protect religious liberty, absolutely. You know, you have your views. You shouldn't be persecuted because of your religious views you know, if, if you don't think that uh, same-sex marriage is, you know, if you think that's simple, 
That's a religious view. You're entitled to it. It's a free country. You, no one should fire you because that is your viewpoint. Um, but there's the other side to it. Well, but no one should fire you if you don't agree with it either. So if you do believe in same-sex marriage and you are gay, you should also be protected. And that's you know certainly what we argue. Um, we need to get better at that. I think the Republican Party, the conservative movement, can certainly benefit from being more about the principle of the thing instead of picking and choosing. Does this favor Christians? Does this favor gay people? Like, who is it for? Who's against? That's the problem in our country. We focus on which category, which demographic category is benefiting or hurting when it ought not to be about that. It ought to be about the underlying principle and what is the issue we're trying to address. Uh, I think uh, both parties, unfortunately, have problems with the extremes, having a lot of influence, focusing on who's benefiting and who's not. Mm. Marco, my last question for you is, is this. Uh, there might be you know, a lot of people in the gay community who would uh, definitely not understand your politics uh, and not agree with your politics, but they might hear that you do have some problems with uh, you know, some of the things that your party uh, supports. Um, but you know, going back to your point about debating and the necessity of debate, how important do you see it to stay inside and try to change things from the inside than to say, well, you know what? I disagree with something that's happening here and I'm out. Uh, how important is it to stay in the fight? I think it's extremely important. Certainly for someone like me uh, who is concerned about the, the uh, you know, border integrity, uh, what's happening on our borders, I think most people agree is a, is a serious problem. Are you concerned at all, Marco, um, kind of back to Jason's question about how the extremes are, are clouding all this stuff. The culture wars are the headlines now. It, it seems there, there's very little, uh, you know, talk about fiscal conservatism, about, uh, you, you know, things like that. The, the demogra- demographics of the party have, have changed. Both parties have changed. Uh, we, we've watched in the past few years. It, it, it seems to me, just as someone who, who talks a lot of politics and covers politics, that it's all culture war now. And, and there's really not a lot of, talk or debate or even discussion on simple principles that each party believes. That makes it more, and that, what that, and that should tell you something. We're not going to be able to sweep some of the rug. It's going to have to be debated. And it can't be a debate that is led by the extremes because they're not, they're not, the extremes are not looking for a compromise. They're not looking for a broad solution. They're looking for what they want. And that's all there is. We have got to find some politicians or political leaders who are willing to take the risk of alienating some of the extreme and saying, you know what, we have got to push for a more reasonable solution instead of just getting quick votes that will sign up for my issue just because it's an easy, fast vote. Uh, so that it, if we don't solve those issues, then we can't talk about these other things that are important, like you mentioned, because fiscal responsibility is being ignored. And it's a critical issue for our country, regardless of how we solve these other cultural questions. We, we started the conversation with uh, the law cabin Republicans and how it's had no booth for years. I do want to ask you briefly about the uh, new organization you started, the Texas Conservative Liberty Forum, which you've mentioned several times in, in the conversation here. W- why did you why did you feel you had to start this new organization and open the enrollment to anyone, not just gays and lesbians uh, who are conservatives? Well, you know, always, you know, Law Cabin Republicans of Texas was and Law Cabin Republicans as a whole, you know, filled a need, I suppose, uh, uh there was a there was a path there that that was available for someone like me, but uh, it is important. I always felt that it, the argument about liberty is always better advanced if you advance it for everyone. It's very hard to get to people and say I want LGBT rights or I want black rights or women's rights 
What we really should be talking is, no, we want equal rights for everyone. We want religious liberty for everyone. And so fundamentally, even when I was there, I always felt that the best way to defend religious liberty or freedom of speech or any right is to do it for everyone. And so not to focus on your particular group, because then it seems like all you care is about yourself. And so you've got to have a way to say, you know what, uh, when this student group that's religious based is being hassled by university because they are posting sex marriage, I need to step in there and say, leave them alone. Uh, I may not agree with what they're doing or what they're saying, but just as I felt that I had the right as a gay student in a to speak, they still have that same right, regardless of whether they, they I agree with what they say or not. You know, and I will tell you this, uh, I, I would say one of the things that made me started that this route was, and made me appreciate the First Amendment so much, was when I was in college and this fight was occurring at the, you know, where, you know, at the courts. And was meeting Christian conservatives who would tell me, I don't agree with you, but I will support your right to speak. Yeah. And, I, and I feel that I remember those people and I'm, and I'm grateful to them. Marco, a lot of the conversation right now, as you know, with the uh, Roe versus Wade being overturned, is, is whether these rights that are not explicitly stated in the Constitution, uh, whether those belong uh, with the states to decide, the legislatures to decide, or whether those are, uh, you know, actually should be included in the Constitution on the federal side. What do you think about this? You've kind of mentioned and hinted at it with gay marriage, but if a right is not specifically said in the Constitution 200 and something years ago when it was written, where should it lie? Well, you know, but that's what the founding fathers intended was that if the question hasn't been answered, then the people need to answer it. And that's where debate is important. I mean, ultimately, it goes back to, you know, the question always comes to who gets to decide, right? I know I had a discussion with one of my nephews and he was very upset about something someone said on the radio and he was very upset about it and why they shouldn't be allowed to say that it's wrong information, it's bad information. And I said, it might be true, but who's going to decide what is good information? And he goes, that's a good point. The bottom line is ultimately someone's going to have to decide. And so who is it going to be? Is it going to be a court that's going to make it up on what they think is their best judgment or is it going to be us? I would rather it be us. And, and you say us as, as the state legislatures or as Congress? I mean, as the people through voting our representatives, uh, that's the most direct uh, form of engagement. A lot of people like the court when it goes their way and they hit it when it doesn't. Mm -hmm. And so there have been decisions that the court handed down that people just couldn't stand. And all of a sudden the court is a threat to democracy. And then when it goes the other way, then, oh, there's the savior of democracy. Well, you know, maybe it's it's just the court. And maybe it's just telling us what's in the Constitution, which is that's its role. Right. It's up to us with the consent of the governed to decide what those rights are going to look like for all of us. And, and last note for you before we let you run here, man. Uh, Law cabinet Republicans have been trying for years to get a booth. This is your first year out of the gate with Texas Conservative Liberty Forum, your organization. It got a booth first year within weeks of opening. So congratulations on that. Um, th that that was interesting to watch and see. But hey, man, we, we really appreciate the insight. We, um, we've we been watching the headlines and, and it's great to hear from someone like you. Well, I appreciate being invited. It's an interesting discussion. You know, these, these kinds of discussions are rare. Uh, so I'm happy to be here. Marco, thank you. Thank you very much, folks. Interesting to hear from Marco, because as he says, this is a rare conversation. And, and he admits there are people, even little old ladies in the Republican Party of Texas who do not agree with him on some issues. But as, as you know, the question you asked was, 
are you going to stay in the fight? At what point does this become existential for you that you might decide to to leave the party? And it's something that he said he couldn't even imagine. Yeah, you know, one of the things I really liked that he talked about was the issue of debate. And, you know, I, if you totally 100% agree with every single thing that your party does and you don't question anything and you just go vote straight ticket and you never have a problem with them, uh, there's something wrong, I think. I think everyone independently thinking should always, you know, come across something that they go, hmm, I don't really like that or I don't like that particular candidate in that particular race, even if this is my party. I love what he said about, you know, the ability within a party to debate what we really stand for in a party and then outside the party to debate just as Americans, you know, well, here's why I believe in this. Why do you believe in that? I think that so much of that is missing. People are just yelling past each other. And, you know, he's probably right. If you have to change something, you know, it is easier to stay in that debate. Uh, it's not easier. It's tough work. But, you know, you, you definitely don't have much of a voice if you're, you know, yelling in from the outside. Uh, but I think that, you know, we could use, you know, probably more debate in, yeah. in our politics than, you know, the screaming and shouting and then, you know, basically holding both of your ears shut while the other one talks. And I'd argue that uh, we should probably raise a toast to Marco because he has stayed in the fight since 1984. You know what the Republican Party was like in 1984. You know what it's like yeah. now. And and being a, a gay or lesbian in the party for, for that many years, that that has likely been a struggle for him. But he has he has conservative values that he believes in and, and he's not going to be pushed aside just because he's gay. So, yeah, I, I mean, wow, that that's uh that seems like it's probably been tough over the years for him. Yeah, that is a long time to be down in it. Uh, and, and I'm sure that there are plenty of liberals, though, who would say that this, you know, more open society and more accepting society that he's talking about. Uh, I'm sure there are a lot of liberals who would say, well, you know, that probably came about because of the work we have done uh, over these years. Uh, but the fact is, uh, you know, Marco and, and many others in the community who who share his political ideology would say, hey, you know what? We've been doing some hard work down in the trenches uh, as well. So yeah, uh, there is that. Uh, you know, thank you uh, as always for, for listening to this and again for putting us over the million download mark. Uh, two million downloads. Here we come. 